Good evening. Sorry about that. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. I'm Shannon. And tonight we're doing the Revelation series number two, the first four churches. The problem there is what my phone wasn't reading my finger. Okay. I'm losing That's all my... right. Yes. Anyway, the first four churches and like we started in episode number one for the Revelation series, I'm going to read... Uh, Chapter 2 from the Message Bible. You can, of course, read any translation you want, but Peterson put this, translated it into American English, and so I think sometimes it just says it in a different way than other, it, just a different nuances. So, Okay, I want to, just before we get oh, started, yeah, go ahead. So, um, in Henry Morris's commentary about the revela- Revelation, he says that there are seven parts to each of these messages, to each of these churches. Oh, Okay. First one is the salutation, the greetings. Number mm-hmm. two, the identify and identification that Christ is the one who's sending it. Right. The third, the assertion of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Nothing is unseen. We see everything. God sees everything. Number four, the comment or exhortation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's good. Uh, number five, promise mm-hmm. or the threaten, threatening that if things don't change. Uh, number six, the admonition to heed. Mm. And number seven, the promise blessing. If you do these things, this is the outcome. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. And I will say at the end of each one, you said the promise, the blessing. Mm-hmm. If, if you do listen to this, at the end of each, the blessing, it's a blessing for all believers who overcome. And they are kind of neat blessings for each one. So listen for that. Mm-hmm. So I will start chapter two to Ephesus. Write this to Ephesus, to the angel of the church. The one with seven stars in his right fist grip, striding through the golden seven light circle, speaks. I see what you've done, your hard, hard work, your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out apostolic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause, that you never wear out. But you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen, a Lucifer fall? Turn back, recover your dear early love. No time to waste, for I am well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. You do have this to your credit. You hate the Nicolaitan business. I hate it too. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. I'm about to call each conqueror to dinner. I'm spreading a banquet of tree of life fruit. A supper plucked from God's orchard. Okay, let's let's do them one at a time. Shall we? Should we do a letter at a time? Well, yeah, okay, sure, why not? Okay. Okay. Um, it ends, I love that, in seven. He who has an ear, let him hear. Yeah. Now, that's not saying that most of us have at least one, if not two ears. It's mm-hmm. just a normal human thing. But this is an ear for, the, for God. It's an ear for Jesus. So... Starting out, he talks about this, and it's interesting because in the introduction, chapter 1, John talks about these different descriptions of Jesus. And here he says the one, uh, my translation um, in verse 1, it says, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, which Mm -hmm. we talked about last time. Right. So, again, this is his thing. This is Jesus. He's got, holds the seven stars in his right hand. Um, that's where the thing is Jesus. And then he says, I know. 
Yeah. Jesus says, I know. I see what you've done. I think it's a little bit scary because this church in Ephesus was doing great things. Mm -hmm. They were refusing to quit. They had courage. They never wore out. They got rid of the pretenders. They're persistent, but because they lost their first love, their love for Jesus, him first and foremost, they're going to, their light's going to be removed from the golden circle. Yeah. So, I mean, they were doing a lot of good things, but the thing that was most important was them in love with Jesus and doing things for his glory and just being with him. And I did get something out of my archaeology Bible that was talking about this particular church in Ephesus. By the mm -hmm. way, Ephesus is located about 60 miles northeast of Patmos. It's fairly close to where John is. Oh, okay. But archaeologically, um, one of the things that's going on in history at this time, what they're finding in history is um, there's emperor worship going on, mm -hmm. big-time emperor worship, where um, everybody says, oh, yeah, I'm... I'm in favor of the emperors. I'm you know, all this kind of right. stuff. And uh, Domitian was the was an em the emperor at this time. Eventually, they tore down his statues because they went with another emperor, you know. But um, this emperor worship became kind of like pride in place. Oh, our city has this, and we are. And when it says how far you have fallen. And the, I, I like the description you had, like it was a Lucifer fall. Yeah. It was how far you have fallen because he compliments them constantly on their perseverance and now you don't under, you don't endure evil and you test things to make sure they're good and you do all those things you have endured. You're not grown weary. He says all these good things. And then he says, but I have this against you. So four is the only one that said what I, I have against you. Verse mm -hmm. 4, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. That's it. Mm -hmm. I have, you have left your first love. I want to, this so Remember, remember why you're here. Yeah. Remember why you are a church. Remember why you started this thing, why you identify as my follower in the first place. This reminds me of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain lump and it lumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Hmm. That's, I say to a mountain lump. That's interesting. Yeah, the, I don't know if I like how he said that. Moves. Move would have been, yeah. been better. But um, um, I think uh, I that's the big thing about Ephesus is that if we give up our love for Jesus and just get into the religious thing, even if we're doing tons of good things, it's worthless eternally. Mm -hmm. It might help a few people or whatever, but eternally it's not doing, it's not glorifying God. It's glorifying you probably, you know, they were probably known as a really good church that did great, stood for right and wrong, Right. but they surely weren't glorifying God in all their work. So I'll go to the second church okay. to Smyrna, write this to Smyrna, to the angel of the church. 
the beginning and ending, the first and final one, the once dead and then come alive, speaks. I can see your pain and poverty, constant pain, dire poverty, but I also see your wealth. And I hear the lie in the claims of those who pretend to be good Jews, but who in fact belong to Satan's crowd. Fear nothing in the things you're about to suffer, but stay on guard. Fear nothing. The devil is about to throw you in jail for a time of testing, 10 days. It won't last forever. Don't quit, even if it costs your life. Stay there believing. I have a life crown sized and ready for you. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words. The spirit blowing through the churches. Christ's conquerors are safe from devil death. They had nothing wrong with them. They're just really poor and pain and pain. They, I mean, from the world standpoint, they probably thought that was a pathetic little church. Well, yeah, this is the only one that. I think there might be one more. I think Philadelphia or this is this is the one that it is. It is very short. This is a very yeah. short message. Again. Jesus, Jesus identified as the first and the last who was dead and has come to life. So, yeah. that's, so again, that Alpha and the Omega that he talked about in one. And then he said, I know your tribulation, tribulations and your poverty and the blasphemy by those who say you are they are Jews and are not. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the archaeological Bible looking at it, Smyrna did not have a synagogue that was readily identifiable at any mm-hmm. point in time. They had a Jewish quarter, and it showed that Jews had been there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But they weren't really ever, they never established a synagogue in that area, which was mm. kind of interesting. That is interesting. Huh. But it does tell them there is a warning here. Oh, yeah. It says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Yeah. So he says, I know your tribulation, I know your poverty. And you're going to suffer more. Right. I do it's like how he, he gave them the exact number. Ten days. Ten days. It's going to be ten days you can do it. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Now the crown that he's talking about here too. Um, if you look at the history, the Roman occupation of all these areas. The crown that usually is given. <clears throat> it was given to uh, Roman emperors did not wear crowns. Mm-hmm. Like we have European concept right. of a crown. But what a, what a Roman emperor would do, a conquering emperor or even a sports figure, anybody who won yeah. would get the wreath. Isn't the laurel that wreath? They would put on their head. Yes. Yeah. And whenever you know, whenever they were, you, they depict that, it's always made out of leaves. Yeah. And so it is going to wither and decay and mm-hmm. you know, it's going to go away. But the crown of life never goes away. So you might be losers... In the world's eyes, but you will have a crown that will never fade. So I think that was. Yeah, that's pretty cool. There's more to it than you know. When we just when we look at the words, the way the words are in English, the translations that we have in English, sometimes we miss some of the depth. Yeah. Without knowing the context, I guess. I wonder if there'll be different kinds of leaves. Like, I wonder if I'll be able to have flowers on my crown. Like well, dandelion. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. It, again, right. he ends with, he who has an ear, let him hear. Yeah. And he reminds them, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So don't fear what's going to happen, even to death. Stay faithful. Mm-hmm. If you overcome, the second death will not hurt you. Now Pergamum. Now Pergamum. 
Write this to Pergamum, to the angel of the church. The one with the sharp biting sword draws from the sheath of his mouth. Out come the sword words. I see where you live, right under the shadow of Satan's throne. But you continue boldly in my name. You never once denied my name, even when the pressure was worse, when they martyred Antipas, my witness who stayed faithful to me on Satan's turf. But why do you indulge that Balaam crowd? Don't you remember that Balaam was an enemy agent, seducing Balak and sabotaging Israel's holy pilgrimage by throwing unholy parties? And why do you put up with the Nicolaitans, who do the same thing? Enough. Don't give in to them. I'll be with you soon. I'm fed up and about to cut them to pieces with my sword-sharp words. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. I'll give the sacred manna to every conqueror. I'll also give a clear, smooth stone inscribed with your new name, your secret new name. And I just want to say, those two things are just so interesting. Mm. The ones who conquer and will get sacred manna. And also, each of us will get a, a clear, smooth stone inscribed with a new name that Christ gives us. And only he and I, or he and the individual will know what that is. And I kind of picture that little stone as one that you could put in your pocket. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. What would you do with it? Well, you know, later on in, in uh, Revelation, uh-huh. it talks about Jesus having the name that only he knows. Yeah. On himself. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, he talks about Satan's throne. Yeah. Uh, in verse 13. Um a lot of people put that onto the altar of Zeus in Pergamum. Oh. It was um, the largest altar in all antiquity. It measured 117 feet wide. Oh, my 110 goodness. 110 feet deep and 40 feet high. Wow. And it depicted on it a battle between um, the a war between the Greek gods and giants. Um, so... So possibly that's what he means by Satan's throne. Yes, but it's not necessarily... Obviously, he's not talking about the Greek gods, but uh, being against Satan or versus Satan here. So this is a... When you look at Pergamon, first of all, the sharp two-edged sword. We already saw that vision of right, Jesus. Right, in the very beginning. He talks about that. And the two-edged sword is the sword that cuts both ways. Right. Cuts both the sin and the sinner. Um I know where you dwell, so I know you live in the midst of this. Again, this is the third area where they have this emperor worship. It's a cult of emperor right. worship going on. I know that you live in the middle of the worst of the worst, yeah. a bad place, and you hold fast, and you do not de- deny my faith even in the days of Antipas. So again, we're talking about all the different... Um, and they're being martyred, obviously, because yes. Antipas was martyred. And... Uh, and this was also where the state church started. Oh, really? Constantine, yep. Um, 50 miles from the Aegean coast, 55 miles north of Smyrna. Oh, not at this time, but obviously. That's where it was, yes. The Acropolis, the higher part of the city, was on top of a steep hill that rose 1,000 feet above the plain, on which there was an immense altar to Zeus. That's the altar to Zeus, the the chief god of... Greek mythology. Right. But, yeah, it, it was a... 
an important city in its own mind and its own right. Mm. I mean, imagine being able to build an altar to Zeus that big. Yeah, it must have had a lot of money in there. Well, yes, and um, it was a spectacle. The city oh. is built up on what on top of a hill that was a thousand feet high. How, how did, what did they do to worship Zeus? I know they must have had temple prostitutes. Well, no, they had all sorts of things going on. What they use the altar the for? The sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. I think the altar was a was symbolic. Yeah. They did. There's no historical record on the actual practices necessarily, mm-hmm. but it was. It was, we got the biggest and the bestest of everything. So they're living right in the middle of the big part here, okay? Like us all living right in the middle of some disgusting movie. Or or living in the center of evil, where people yeah. are worshiping the evil stuff. But he did say, I have a few things against you. Ooh, and this stuff that they are indulging now 14, is... 14 is yeah. interesting. I have a few things against you. If we look back on the other one... Um, yeah. Oh, there's one in Ephesus. Ephesus, it says, but I have this against you. Yeah. Smyrna doesn't... There's nothing there. Nothing, yeah. But in Pergamum, he says, I have a few things against you, because you you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who keep teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. Mm-hmm. So... There's the three things right there. The first one is you have some within you. Yeah. Within you, within your church, yeah. there are some that hold to the teachings of Balaam. Ooh, okay. I mean, that's pretty. Who keep teaching? Who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block? And what did Jesus say about those who cause you causes them to stumble? Better if they were thrown in the sea with a millstone around their neck. Mm-hmm. So this and is then horrible. Part of that was. Eating things sacrificed to idols, which is very, very common in this in this period of Roman temples, that everybody did. Mm-hmm. They would have food and drink and everything sacrificed to idols, and then they would sell it. Mm-hmm. So people would be in, in the marketplace. You know, this is coming from the temple. Mm-hmm. If you bought it, you knew this is the stuff because they'd yeah. be bragging about it. Right. So the ones that are following this this emperor cult would want to buy that stuff. Right. If these guys are buying it, they're doing it with full knowledge that that's what it was. Yeah. This this had been sacrificed to an idol, and, this and you're is, still picking it. And then the, the immorality that was all around, and they were buying into it. They were choosing the immoral lifestyles, and that kind of goes along with our society today. I mean, there's immorality everywhere. It's normal now. Mm-hmm. It's normal for... It's more normal for a young couple to live together than to get married now. I mean, it's, you know, people do get married, but I mean, they live together first and they think that's just fine. That it has become so normalized that you're odd if you don't. Mm-hmm. And, and then all the other, this cruddy gender junk that's just imaginary that, I mean, there was so much and they were living among that, but... They started accepting some of it, maybe just to get along with people. Some of it was creeping in. Yeah. And that's, we got to be careful of the creep. Because it's really easy to have a little bit creep in and then a little bit more, a little bit more, until you have a whole herd of people in your church that are going along with things that that are anti-God, you know. And that's one of the things you got to, when we read about these churches, we got to kind of apply 
we can apply it to our body of believers, but also apply it to ourselves personally. Yes. That's even, I think, more crucial because as an individual, just because I am responsible for what I do. And if the individuals within a church are all responsible and doing the right thing, then the whole church together will be. And as a pastor, I, as a pastor, I see this also um, as being very important to the churches because in speaking to them, he says, you have a few among you. Yes. The church is not dealing with that. Now, when he was talking to Smyrna, mm-hmm. he said, you sorted it out. Remember, when we go, if we go back to Smyrna, yeah. I know your tribulations um, and all those kind of things. No, it wasn't Smyrna, it was Pergamum, or Ephesus, excuse me. In Ephesus, he said, you cannot endure evil men, and you put to the put to the test those who call themselves apostles. Right, so, so they deal, dealt with it. With the compromise and sin that is not, I mean, we all are sinners, but there's a kind of sin within a church that everyone knows it's a sin, but nobody deals with it. That's the kind of sin he's talking about. Like, it's not like, you know, if I yell at you and we make it up or whatever, it's not the, it's embracing and allowing sin to, to be accepted. So there's, yeah, there's, there's two, two things brought here. Now, Again, going back to Ephesus, it says, but you have this, but yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, when he speaks to this church here in Pergamum, he says that's one of the things they have is... They have some of the Nicolaitans. They're allowing the Nicolaitans in there. So, or Nicolaitans, whatever it is. um, Some who hold in the same way, hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. So, yes... um, we're talking about some in the church that are doing that. Mm-hmm. The two things that he's calling out is, number one, obviously the ones that are doing it, that's a problem. And the Nicolaitans, Clement and Alexandria described them as they abandoned themselves to pleasure like goats, mm-hmm. living a life of self-indulgence. Self-indulgence, and I think that includes mm-hmm. a, a really immoral lifestyle. Just doing whatever felt good, which and kind of sounds things, like America. One of the things was eating, those, eating that food from... The, from um, the Nicolaitans. And the other thing they were, that Nicolaitans were known for is they were like Gnostics, mm-hmm. and they abused the doctrine of grace. Yes, to try and introduce these things that gluttonous behavior. And I don't mean just food, but the gluttonous behavior for indulging themselves under the under the, the cover grace, of grace. Under cover of grace. So, in addition to those that are doing those things. He's calling out those that you know they are, and you're still having them in anything. you. In your, <laughs> they are participating in your fellowship, even though you know who these people are. If, when we know something's wrong, but we say nothing, we're complicit in it. So if we see a behavior that's wrong, and we could speak out and address the person or help correct it, but if we don't do anything, we're just as big a problem of it as the person doing it. I think you can equate it to, in, in terms of modern law, um, you're an accessory. Mm. Or an accessory after the fact, which means um, you didn't do the act, but you knew about it, didn't do anything to stop it, or didn't do anything yeah. to report it. Therefore, you are an accessory. And under current law, accessories are charged, or are the punishment for accessories is the same as the one doing it. Really? So Jesus is telling them, if you don't turn back from this, if you don't get rid of this, 
Obviously, the ones that are participating, even the, pe- the right people writing this letter that knew it was wrong, yeah, they know that the ones that are participating are not doing the right thing. Yeah. But Jesus says, but you know too. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. as So Shannon, if you don't know him, is a former police officer, and he taught at the South Dakota Law Enforcement Academy for, I think, 13 years. So he's 14, got a lot... Yeah. 14, Okay, so mm-hmm. he has a lot of background in law enforcement. So let's say uh, you know someone murdered someone, but you didn't say anything. So will your punishment be as bad as the it, one who's murdered? Yes, it is. Well, it's up to the judge exactly what punishment you get. But yes, you the sentence is the same. So when someone, if you look in a legal book at what the possible years are for whatever the mm-hmm. crime is, an accessory has the same amount as... Oh, wow. Now, for judges, any kind of crime. The judges can... Yeah. So if... Someone robs a bank and you're the getaway driver. You get as much. You might not have walked into the bank, but you are still going to get the same punishment. Right. So, you know, if you knew someone was going to murder someone, didn't say anything about it, that makes you an accessory. That's an accessory before the fact. You knew ahead of time that it was going to happen. Accessory after the fact would be someone who intentionally hides someone who's a murderer and doesn't, you know. So these people know of the crime. Right. They know of the sin. And they're, if they don't do it, and what does he say the punishment is for Pergamum? Let's Repent, see. therefore, or oh. else I am coming to you, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth, that two-edged oh. sword that they mentioned in the beginning. Yeah, and and in in the message it says, "I'm fed up and about to cut them to pieces with my sword, sharp words." Yeah, and basically both of them are saying, it "says, or else I am coming to you quickly to chop you up." In other words, my patience is not infinite, yeah. which is what the the Nicolaitans were saying. We're under grace, no matter what we do. We're, we're under, under grace. grace, yeah. And Jesus says, "My patience is not never ending." Yeah. Do you better get on this? Because right. if you don't, I'm going to have to deal with it myself. I do. You wa- deal with it, or I'll deal with it. Okay. I do want to say something else. A comment on this. Mm-hmm. This would be for people who are are church members, active church members. I mean, you want everybody and anybody to come to church. So someone might have a very sinful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's not who Jesus is talking about. He's no. talking about people who have confessed his name and who are supposedly upright members of the, the, the church's membership and who are actively involved in the mm-hmm. church. There is a different degree of uh, responsibility there. So if... Don't feel, if you're listening to this, and maybe you don't, you have not trusted Jesus yet, or you, you, uh, you're just sorting things out, go. I don't care what where you are in life. You need to, you need to find a church home. And, and Jesus will sort all that out with you. But it was the arrogant religious ones that, like, I, I suppose they under, understand all that, but it, I think it's a greater sin for a Christian who is boldly a Christian, a, a pastor, a teacher. It even says that teachers will be mm-hmm. judged more harshly. Mm-hmm. But if we are the ones proclaiming Jesus Christ and speaking how wonderful he is, we are held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. You know, But even if you're a believer, you're held to that same standard, but we need to... If we love Jesus, we will obey his commands. He says that in John 15, I believe. So, Yeah, and you make a good point, and I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. 
Um, if we look at the life of Christ in the Gospels, he said, I came for those that are sick. Right. I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. And he went and he ate with the tax collectors and he ate with the sinners. He ate with the lowest of the low. And he got accused of of terrible Lut things. By gluttony, the, drunkenness, everything. He got accused of all those things by the Pharisees, by the religious authorities of the day that he was allowing them in. Now, there is a difference, and I, I agree with you. If someone is living a life of sin and wants to repent from that, and they come to the church saying, I'm broken, open arms. Open arms for that. Or Please even if come. they just come. Please come. They want to know. And that's what Jesus always said, is anyone can come to him. But the difference here is... Like you said, if someone is proclaiming to be a follower of Christ and intentionally living in sin, that is not something that should be allowed. And that's something that both the individual, of course, is accountable for that. And that's between them and God, but it should be blatantly obvious. But also, the church well, has to be able to, at some point in time, say, enough. Yeah. Okay, you know better now. If you didn't know better, it's one thing. Now you know. Well, I do want to, let me let me kind of add another part to that. Okay. Because we get visitors into our church who we dearly love, friends mm -hmm. of our church or whatever, but they're not members of our church. And maybe even some of them say they're Christian. Mm -hmm. And maybe they are. I'm not saying they are or not, but whatever, but... Some may not be living the way Christ wants them to. I still kind of see them as seekers. They're mm -hmm. not committed to our body right. yet. And well, they're, so, not, they're not committed to Christ fully yet either, because if they were, they would they'd fix that themselves. Right. But I, I, I think that when we call people out on sin, like he's talking, and this is kind of, it's the same subject, but it's also, a, I think it's wrong for Christians, for believers, for me, to go around telling people, you're living in sin. This is horrible. Or, you know, that's a sin. This is a sin. Jesus didn't do that. I mean, if we are, if we, I think well, we earned, we earned the right to confront someone is what I think. I, I agree with that. On a relational basis, you have to be connected to that person to do that. Yeah. In other words, they have to know how much you love them before they, they care what you're yeah. going to say about it. But think about Jesus at the well, with the woman at the well. Right. He said, well, you go call your husband. Said, I don't have a husband. And You've had five she husbands. she called him out. On, he called her out on that. Yes. Said, I know all those things that you've done. Don't, don't play with me. And I, you know, that's true. I guess when we just have to be really in the spirit to know hmm. when to do it. But if it's right in the middle of the church and these are up, these are active members of the church body and we all know what's going on, then that needs to be... Addressed, and Jesus is saying this was not addressed. You're just pretending it's not there, maybe. Right. Just trying to be quiet, just to get along with that. Shut up and get along, whatever. I don't know what that says, but that's not biblical. No. And I'm also not talking. Now this is completely up. Go along up the, to get along. Yeah, go along to get along. That's not biblical. But I'm not saying like if you're in the public realm and there's, but please speak up for Christ and please speak up for what's right and wrong. This is the relational thing. I kind of got off topic. So no, but, no, but I think it's I think it's a good thing to to mention, and I think it's a good. Um, it's directly pointed at modern churches or any church in the same way that um, the other messages are. 
Yeah. And this one has a very strong um, admonition to it. And you know, also, it's not how you feel about that person. You might love someone who's active in the church and then they are caught up in sin. It's for their own benefit and for your own their benefit, their relationship with the church and with God. We can't be living a sinful lifestyle and be close to Jesus. I mean, that sin separates us. And we'll, That's and, that, I think the grace covers me because I'm going to church on Sunday. Yeah, and and also that also when we, if you have a if you're in a church, you probably have some young members, some old members. You know, hopefully you have little kids. If, if they know what's going on, and if we don't say anything for someone, it's going to affect all the other members, and might feel like, well, then I guess that's okay. You know, especially if you know it's wrong wrong and you don't say anything they probably know you know the bible and biblically it ex- it's explicit it's explained biblically paul explains how you should handle that yes yes you he go does to that person personally and then you take someone with you and then you take the elders of the church yeah if, you know right down to that point where you've tried everything right and do it the way paul says off. it yes if, if it gets to that point where there is no repentance for obvious sin you have to say i'm sorry but until this stops, you can't be part of us. And that's and that's painful, and it's challenging, especially in this day and age where yeah. everybody says tolerance is, is the greatest virtue. I yeah. disagree. Yeah, no. Um, but I think as painful as it is, Jesus says, "I will come and make war on you with the word with the the words of my mouth." And also, I will come and that's another translation. Yeah, it says. Um, I will come and make war on you. I will come soon and make war on you. That's scary. Now, that would be demolishing the whole church. Yeah. Because you guys have allowed it. Yeah. Your accessories. So I'll have to take care of all of you. And part of that, if you have to go all the way. It doesn't have to be the pastor. No. No. But I think if it gets to there, the pastor really should be involved. Sure. But if you're an individual and you're the one that knows. Yes. You, you are called, as an individual, you are held responsible for whether or not you call it out. Yes, you so. are. Um, and also, one of the reasons to go through that whole process, the hope is, is that if they are kicked out of the fellowship, that they will repent and come back. You know, that there's a... And that's only the very last resort. I mean, they go to them a few times and in love... Right. So anyway. And then the last little thing I want to have yeah. is in the end, if you overcome this. <gasps> yes. It says, I will give you a new name. Think about who got new names. He, Saul became Paul. Right. Simon became, became Peter. Peter. Jesus was known to rename his people, his overcomers, yeah. his followers. I'm excited to know. Special name. I'm excited to know what he'll... But, but this, these are secret names just yes, between you and him. just between you so and Jesus. Paul and... Jesus is going to have a nickname he calls you by. Paul and Peter will get another one. Oh, they probably I'll call did. His, how cool is that? Yeah, he'll have... Yeah. So, it'll just... It'll be special. So, the, the last... The... the Is that the fourth one? Yeah, the fourth yes, one. Yes, the fourth one is here. The fourth church Thyatira. is Thyatira. Okay. And this is the end of chapter two. So, write this to Thyatira, to the angel of the church... God's son, eyes pouring fire blaze, standing on feet of furnace-fired bronze, says this. I see everything you're doing for me. Impressive. The love and the faith 
the service and persistence, yes, very impressive. You get better at it every day. But why do you let that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet mislead my dear servants into cross-denying, self-indulging religion? I gave her a chance to change her ways, but she has no intention of giving up a career in the God business. I'm about to lay her low along with her partners as they play their sex and religion games. The bastard offspring of their idol whoring I'll kill. Then every church will know that appearances don't impress me. I x-ray every motive and make sure you get what's coming to you. The rest of you Thyatirans, who have nothing to do with this outrage, who scorn this playing around with the devil that gets paraded as profundity, be assured I'll not make life any harder for you than it already is. Hold on to the truth you have until I get there. Here's the reward I have for every conqueror, everyone who keeps at it, refusing to give up. You'll rule the nations, your shepherd king rule as firm as an iron staff, their resistance fragile as clay pots. This was the gift my father gave me. I pass it along to you, and with it, the morning star. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. I want to... I had to look up a word in this chapter, so I don't know if everyone else knows what this word was, but when I first originally read this, I had to look up profundity. And Shannon probably knows what it is, but I will give you the definition. Comes from the base word, profound. Ah, true. Profundity equals deep insight, great depth of knowledge or thought. So these people were pretending, they paraded as they had this deep wisdom and thought that the things that they were doing... They must have had some mystical reason. They said it was just holier than whatever you're doing. But cross-denying, self-indulging religion. And there was some woman teaching that Jesus himself calls her a Jezebel. This is an interesting one, too. and It's a challenging one because we just read you're allowing the Nicolaitans in there. Mm-hmm. And you're you're complicit because of that. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to verse 24, when he's talking about Jezebel and all the mm-hmm. things that are going to happen, he says, But I say to you, the rest of you who do not hold to this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they are called, I place no burden on them. Mm-hmm. So, right. this, this must be completely different. But I see, when I look at Thyatira, I see... The American Christian Church. Hmm. At large. At large. Because so much good came out of Christianity in the United States. Mm-hmm. So much good comes out of that. So many things. Because I truly believe that as a nation we were based on Christian principles, on biblical principles. And he says, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and servants and perseverance and that your deeds and are of late are greater than the first. I know that you have been working for me. Mm-hmm. I know all the things that you have done. But that Jezebel is coming in, and that's uh, you tolerate. There's the word. Mm-hmm. You tolerate this other stuff that's going on. Oh, and I love this. It says, I gave her a chance to change your ways. She has no intention of giving up a career in the God business. If we look at what's going on in the American church right now, um, some traditional uh, Protestant churches like the Methodist Church mm-hmm. has had a, has now has a great schism. 
mm-hmm. they have broken. Yeah. The church is broken into two different sections because of uh, homosexuality, homosexual marriage, uh, the the transsexual stuff, all that stuff. Some churches are tolerating it and other churches don't. And that's within One the Methodist church that started at the very beginning and came down. And then all of a sudden, there's so much toleration, tolerance for sin that they actually ripped that church in half. Yeah. And, I mean, how, how heartbreaking would that be to the founders of Methodism? Yeah. Because Methodism really, really did start as a very conservative mm-hmm. um, church. So, and they're not alone. There's a, there are a lot of churches doing, doing the same sort of thing, and they're allowing these kind of things. And the disgust that Jesus has for this is obvious in this passage. Yeah. I will kill her children with pestilence. All the churches and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each of you according to your deeds. Mm. He is very strong-minded about this. This yeah. is the longest letter so far. Yes. And he is very strong about this. This is something that is very, very bad. Mm-hmm. And he says that she is um, leads my bondservants astray. Yeah. She's leading them astray. This this tolerance is leading them astray. I do like how... It's taking them the wrong way. In here, because when you said you see the American church at large in this, mm-hmm. but I do the cross-denying, self-indulging religion, and a lot of this... There's a lot of Christian, so-called Christian books published that are just... Look how great life can be here. Look how, and it's not, life can be great here because we're living, living living for Jesus and, and, but an abundant life doesn't mean you're supposed to be wealthy and have indulged yourself with all this luxury and and there is no place for a luxurious, indulgent lifestyle in a Christian. Well, there's no place for self-indulgence. Yeah. If that is the focus. And if that's the focus of the church you're in, find another church. Yeah. Um, and that's this is one of those issues where, um, unfortunately, in the American church, more than anywhere else, we see um, this kind of preaching. Yeah. And this this these people saying, God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to drive a Mercedes. Um and it's got to break God's heart. It's yeah. got to break God's heart. And to those that are preaching this, uh, it's very clear what happens. Yeah. As yeah. a teacher, as a as a pastor, as a leader, you are going to be held more accountable than anyone else. But it is so popular. You will have a huge church if you preach this way. Because people will come to you thinking this is the answer to their problems. Yeah. And that they will have easy street as long as they follow what you're saying. And it becomes a cult. It becomes a worship. And there are idols involved. And those idols are self-indulgence. Yeah. But I don't think those idols are any different. Um, and then Jesus says a sin's a sin. There's yeah. no separation. Yeah, there's no... I don't think those idols are any different than any of the other idols that we can cast up there in front of... If if a church is focused on something other than Christ, yeah, other than Christ, other than what the Bible actually says, 
if it's non-biblical, mm -hmm. you are under this judgment. Even if a church can be doing a lot of good things, mm -hmm. have a wonderful mission, and, mm -hmm. and talk about Jesus, but he can get off. He has to be the focus. Yeah. It has it's to be about him, Jesus. not about us. Yeah. And this is a, this is a powerful, powerful, powerful uh, punishment coming here when he says what's going to happen. Yeah. But he also says, those of you that don't have it, hold on to what you have. Mm -hmm. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your belief. Hold on to your, to your, your uh, um, faithfulness. He who overcomes until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. I don't know in your Bible, but... Yeah, um, it's firm as an iron staff. And in mine, it's actually capitalized. I, I, you know, I, I... To him I will give authority. I was thinking about this ruling thing. Mm hmm I mean, I don't know if I'll do this kind of thing, but I'd rather be, like, hanging out in the meadow. You know? Right. So I don't know. Whatever happens in heaven will be the perfect thing. So where, but, but whatever our jobs are. What it also says here, uh, another translation of that word, mm -hmm. he shall rule them with an iron rod, rod of iron. Mm -hmm. Shepherd is another word. Oh, yes. That. That's a shepherd king. Yeah. Right. So I think um, as we're concluding here on, on our last last church, the fourth church. The fourth church. Of yeah. this, the last church of this chapter. We have to take into consideration all the different ways to view this. And the first way to view this is personally. Mm -hmm. Where are you in this? Are you faithful? Accept? Are you are you following? But also, are mm. you, you know, all of those things as an individual. That's, that's one way to look at it. The second way... The way that it's written is written to a church. Mm -hmm. So as a church, are you? so we have to evaluate ourselves on a, on a regular basis. Yes. And I think as churches, we need to evaluate ourselves as well. And sometimes it's hard mm -hmm. to understand these things, to accept them, or to see yourself reflected in them. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do. And it's hard uh, for sometimes for people in some churches... Um, it's hard to say anything because maybe the pastor's the one doing it or maybe the pastor's not saying anything against it, so I shouldn't say anything mm -hmm. against it. Um, it's hard if you're the pastor to go out and say, you know, 25% of you need to leave the church. Mm. If you don't fix this, you've got to go. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to say that because we love to have everybody there. We love to, we love to fill the seats. But it's very clear what Jesus is saying about this. Mm -hmm. There is no there is no gray area listed anywhere in any of these letters mm -hmm. to the churches. Jesus is black and white, as clean and as clear as you can possibly see it. Mm -hmm. That two-edged sword will make a perfect cut. And he says all the things, this is what's going on, and if you don't fix it, this is what's going to happen, and mm -hmm. if you do fix it, this is what's going to happen. And I will say the that... The beauty of yeah. the grace is... If you fix it, this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. He adds that in every time. And that's the love of Christ saying, I love you. You're wrong, but mm -hmm. I love you. And if you fix it, I love you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fix it, I love you, but I cannot tolerate it. I, right. I have you to deal can't. with that. Yeah. And that is that is part of the deity of God is that he can't go against his own nature. Mm -hmm. And if you force him to, he has to judge. Mm -hmm. Does yeah. it, and he says every 
every letter here, he says, I don't want to. Yeah. I have to. Mm-hmm. So. It's the way it is. And we have to look at that in your own life. Look at that in your in your fellowship. Look at that. I think, again, talking about the United States, I think we look, look at that as a country. Mm-hmm. What are we allowing that we shouldn't allow? What are we tolerating that we shouldn't mm-hmm. tolerate? And you know what? Um, why? Mm-hmm. What's more important? Mm-hmm. That someone doesn't call you a bigot mm-hmm. or a hate person or full of hate speech or a phobe of whatever kind. What's more important? Having someone say that to you or having Christ say, you're not you're not faithful. Ugh. Which one? Would you want which to hear? one has more weight? Yes. And just like as Christians, we do not we do not see this world as our home. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. If we, if you truly believe that, then you should be looking at what the what's coming next. Right. And that's where you should put your heart and your faith and your belief and your mouth mm-hmm. and your finances and anything else. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're unwilling. You know, if you deny me on earth, I will deny you in heaven, Jesus yeah. says. And that's pretty clear. Very clear. But, if you fix it, mm-hmm. there's always that promise in the end. And even in Thyatira, the one that is, is the strongest right now, and he talks about all those things. He says, nevertheless, if you hold fast mm-hmm. until I come, Here's the reward. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches again. Mm-hmm. In other words, everybody has the ability to hear it. Right. Is your heart hearing it? Mm. You got ears. Mm-hmm. Is your heart hearing it? All right. So next time, we'll do the last three. And this was All the right. longest podcast we've ever done. This is the longest one we've ever done, but you can't stop midstream on this stuff. Yeah. You've got to finish it. All right. We'll God see you bless. later. Thanks for listening. Tell someone about us. That'd be great. Bye.